All right. Good morning, everyone. How are we doing today? Say hi to everybody. Uh, hey, Kristen or Tori, can you turn this up a little bit? I'm a little low, I feel like. There we go. Hey, cool. Hey, welcome, everybody. My name is Aaron, and I have the joy of serving as the campus pastor here at Friends Eastville. Good to have you with us today. And it is the beginning of fall. Does it feel like it outside? Yeah. No. I, no, it does not. Uh, it is the beginning of fall. And I know it's the start of fall in the Opog home. Uh, because every year at the beginning of the school year, laid out on our countertop are bottles and bottles of homeopathic remedies for a strong immune system. Because my wife teaches fourth grade, right? And it, all the teachers, you know what I'm talking about, right? You got, you got zinc, you got vitamin D, all the, all the vitamins laid out for us. I know it's fall because Chris reminds me, it, you know, kids are contagious, germs are everywhere at schools. So we take all of our vitamins, right? And so we got, we got zinc, we got vitamin D, we got this stuff called propellus. How do you say it? Propolis. Who ever tried propolis? Okay. It's the worst tasting stuff in the history of worst tasting stuff. Okay. Like it's like a potion from Harry Potter or something like that. I mean, it's a weird, but it keeps you really healthy. You know, so I know that at schools, like there's a lot of germs that take place and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I think here's the turn. All right. Here's the turn. Like, how's this going to apply for the day? I think that the gospel, when it's infected a person's life, is more contagious than that. Uh, that when Jesus gets a hold of someone's heart, uh, when Jesus is welcomed, that when he's invited into someone's life to lead, and that somebody begins to develop uh, intimacy and authenticity with the living God, that that becomes more infectious than any other germ, right? And so this morning, uh, we believe that God wants us as a church to be contagious, for us to spread the love of Jesus through our life, from life to life, from person to person, from community to community. And I, I was going to share this at the end of the message today, but I just, I feel like the Spirit is saying, share it now. Uh, when we started our Rooted course two weeks ago, we were down the tent, and we had some worship, and it was awesome. And a woman from the soccer fields heard the, the praise of, of you all, of this church, and she was drawn in to the tent. It was like, zombie Jesus moment or something, you know, and she was drawn in. And she sat down about 10 feet from the group and just kind of listened in. And then we, we heard about uh, what we do for Rooted. I talked about Rooted and what we're doing. And uh, she grabbed her chair and picked it up and went to one of the tables. And she heard about what we're doing in Rooted and how we're trying to learn about Jesus and come together as a community. And then she's like, I want to be part of that. And she signed up. And so now she's in one of our groups, which is amazing. And so, yeah, it's pretty cool, right? Isn't that awesome? The gospel is contagious. And God wants us to spread the gospel. He wants it to go from one person to the next, from your life to what he's done in your life to somebody else's. That's what the Lord wants through us and in us. Um, you know, I think all of us the last couple of years are more aware of contagious disease. We're more aware of when someone's a little sick around us and when we're feeling a little sick. But God doesn't want the gospel to be contained like we want sickness to be contained. God wants the gospel to spread. He wants it to go from our life to someone else's life, from one community to the next community. He wants what Jesus has done in your life to go to somebody else. And so the truth this morning that we're going to wrestle with in our passage is this. It's contagious Christians have joy as citizens of the king. We're in the middle of a series 
right now through the book of Philippians as we're looking at this theme of joy and contentment in the book of Philippians. And today, this is the one truth. If, like you're, if you're wondering, like, hey, what are, we, what are we learning today? What are we going to grapple with? This is it. Contagious Christians have joy as citizens of the king. And we tried really hard. Actually, Katie tried really hard to take my notes and form an outline to like fill in for people. And then I felt God changed my message late in the game, and so we had to scrap it. Uh, so th- this is the best we can do with the truth that God put on my heart. But contagious Christians have joy as citizens of the king. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 this morning, and uh, we'll begin there and we'll read through verse 28. Here's what it says, Philippians 1, 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Verse 28, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Would you pray with me? Uh, Father God, we thank you for the praise that we got to have a few minutes ago. It was so good. And I thank you, God, not just for the reminder of who you are through praise, but the reminder of who you are through people. And as people walked in the door, it's just a reminder of how good you are in smiles and in handshakes and in in hugs. God, thank you that there's joy in the house of the Lord. And Lord, we thank you so much for uh, just this new year ahead of us and this chance for us to talk about joy and contentment. And I was reminded this morning as I was waking up early and I looked outside and saw the stars, how we oftentimes just uh, forget how incredibly glorious and amazing you are. You created a giant sun in the sky, and we just walk underneath it all day long thinking, oh, it's just a giant star heating the world, doing incredible things. And yet, God, as amazing as that is, uh, what's even more amazing is that you sent your son Jesus and that you want his life and his love to spread through us. And so as we look at Philippians 1, 27 and 28, Lord, would you teach us? We invite you, Holy Spirit, to come. Be our teacher, be our guide. And would you cultivate joy in our life and the life of our church? Uh, We love you. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and your resurrection and your presence here. And we welcome you in here. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, uh, Joy is a theme for the book of Philippians, as we've talked about the past several weeks. And uh, Paul has shared in the the first 26 verses of Philippians about his joy in prison as he seeks to advance the gospel. And if you remember, last week we talked about praising God through pain. As Paul was in prison, he was praising God, he was rejoicing, and he talked about himself a lot as he sought to have joy and cultivate contentment while in prison. But now in verse 27, Paul shifts his attention from talking about himself and his own joy in the advancement of the gospel to trying to encourage this church. And so he begins in verse 27 by saying, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ or the gospel of Jesus. We will spend the majority of our time this morning talking about this one verse because there's so much packed into it. I love God's word. I set out to teach um, basically about 10 verses this morning. And when I went to do my outline and my study, I realized, nope, there's enough for one verse. Like we just need this one verse is enough for us this one week. And so uh, Paul opens up again, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. The gospel of Christ means the news about Jesus that's good. 
That's what the word gospel means. It means news about Jesus that is good. And the word euangelion is, the word, is a Greek word for gospel. Uh, it's the original language uh, meaning of it uh, is gospel, uh, euangelion. And it's where we get our word evangelist or evangelism. Uh, the Roman Empire, after they would have decisive victories in their, in their empire, would send out evangelists, messengers, who would go to all the Roman colonies and they would declare and they would proclaim that Rome had just won another victory and you could celebrate now. And so they would send these evangelists, these messengers on behalf of Caesar to go around all the Roman Empire to declare that the Roman Empire had just had victory again. But when Jesus died and resurrected from the dead, um, people who believed in him became evangelists as well. And they went around and began to proclaim that Jesus was resurrected from the dead and that if you believed in him, just like Rome had victory over its enemies, now you could have victory over sin because Jesus had victory over death. And people celebrated that even more. And so that word, euangelion, gospel, got applied to the Christians because they were the ones who took it and spread it far and wide. And so at some point, if you have believed in the good news of Jesus, the gospel, it's changed your life. You see, it's impossible to believe in Jesus and not let it change you. If it hasn't changed you, um, just pastorally, uh, I think we always need to check our heart and make sure, hey, have I really understood what Jesus taught and what his message was? Because it's impossible to really grapple with Jesus, his message, his love, his presence, and not have your heart changed by it. That's what the Greek word worthy in this passage means. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. We're tempted when we read that to think we have to like achieve something after believing in Jesus. But grace and Christianity isn't a credit card that we get that we have to pay back when we use. Okay, That's not what Christianity is. Um, when it says worthy here, live a life worthy, it's not talking about living up to something. The word worthy means live in light of something that's happened in the past. The word worthy means that something happened in the past and now you live in light of that. The gospel, if you've received it and believed in Jesus, has changed us and now we live in light of that. That's what worthy means. Something happened in the past and now we live in light of that event. Um, Friends Church Eastvale, I have seen the gospel change your life. I've seen Jesus change your life. As I've had the joy over the last six months in kind of hearing stories and part of Rooted is people going around and talking about how the gospel has changed your life. In fact, this past week in Chris and Anna's group, I asked Chris how it went and he said, well, we stopped and we paused and I asked everybody, how has the gospel impacted your life? And I was like, Chris, you're the best leader ever, man. That's a great question to ask. And I've seen, I've heard how the gospel has changed you. And there's no greater joy that I have um, as a pastor than when I see the life of Jesus, the good news of Christ impact a person's life and change them. That's what this is all about. Above all else, it's about letting Jesus impact our life. But the focus of this verse is not on the second half of it. It's on the first half in the word conduct. He says, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. The focus of the passage is on the word conduct. And the word conduct means citizenship. That's what that word means. It means citizenship. Um, the shortened word polis means city. And it's where we get our names of our cities, like Minneapolis or Indianapolis. 
So when Paul talks about conduct, I think it's kind of a bad translation. I think actually it should be citizen, should be there in some way. Uh, because to belong to a city in Paul's day meant that you were a citizen. In the same way that we belong to a country and we're citizens, in the Roman Empire, you belong to a specific city. And the Philippians, those who lived in the city of Philippi, had a special type of citizenship. Years before Paul wrote this letter, uh, the citizens in Philippi uh, had been in a civil war. And they sided with Caesar and with Rome. And because of that, because they won, uh, the Roman Empire granted to the citizens of Philippi a special Roman citizenship. And so on the screen, hopefully, Katie, we can pull it up as a map. There we go. Perfect. Thanks, Katie. Um, and you'll notice that Philippi in the top center there, that's in Greece, and Rome is in Italy, right? We see the boot, right? Two different countries. But because of their, um, uh, their, their siding with Caesar and with Rome, and they won, Caesar gave Philippi a special citizenship so that Philippi was considered to be a miniature Rome in the Roman Empire. To talk to a citizen of Philippi was really to talk to a citizen of Rome. To stand on the soil of Philippi was to stand on the soil of Rome. And the citizens in Philippi were very proud of this citizenship. They, 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 they thought highly of it. It was a part of the culture of that city. But now Paul says to the Christians in Philippi, when you believe the gospel, God now made you a citizen of heaven. God now made you a citizen of heaven. The theme is picked up again in Philippians 3.20. Paul says this outright, but our citizenship is in heaven. And the, and, the, and the Christians in Philippi would have immediately understood what Paul was talking about. You see, Paul, or, uh, or heaven, right, is in a different realm, just like Rome was in a different country. And yet those Christians living in Philippi were to live as if they were living in, in heaven while they lived in Philippi. Y'all with me on this? This making sense? Paul used this terminology to help them understand how they were to live the gospel out right where they were. So just like speaking to a citizen in Philippi was equal to speaking to a citizen in Rome, so speaking to a Christian was like speaking to somebody who had been with Jesus. That's what Paul is trying to say. Paul is trying to say, live as citizens of heaven. Live that identity out and be as proud of that identity more than any other identity we could ever have as people. So I want to break this idea of citizenship down for the next few minutes. So if you live in New York, you are brash, <laughs> ambitious, and you're broke as well, right? We know you're broke. <laughs> You're broke as a rent, right? If you live in Tacoma, Washington, you're conscientious of your impact on creation. You love coffee shops. You get behind social causes. If you live in the Inland Empire, you're a citizen of the Inland Empire. You're practical. You're family-oriented. You're personal. Uh, you love fresh takes on institutional values, right? But if you're a citizen of Jesus, how do you live? That's the question this passage is trying to get us to wrestle with. If you're a citizen of Jesus, how do you live? If we're citizens of Jesus, we always have a seat open for the poor and marginalized, because that's what Jesus did. If you're a citizen of Jesus, you get your value and your worth from God's unconditional love. 
If you're a citizen of Jesus, you forgive others over and over and over again because the, 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 the currency of heaven is forgiveness, right? So if we're a citizen of heaven, we're to live like we've been with Jesus. So I have my U.S. passport here. I'm protecting it today because I know... I know the chances of me losing it. Chris is like, why did you bring your passport? I needed an object lesson that wasn't just a TV screen. So I'm, I'm passionate about this topic today. Um, I have a passport. My name's in it. I have lots of little uh, you know, stamps in it. I've had the joy of going to 10 different countries on five different continents for missions work. And I've loved every stamp that I have in here. These are their memories in here from people I love in Uganda and India and Mexico and Honduras and, and in London. And, uh, and if I go travel, no one needs to ask me if I'm American. No, everyone knows I'm American right away, right? If I were to take you to the international airport in Dubai, which Ron has been to with me, um, we uh, could stand at the Terminal C, and we could look around at all the culture going through Dubai, so all the different places in the world, and you and I could say, okay, we're the Americans. We would, we would all know where the Americans were, all right? We, would, we wouldn't even need to see passports. We would know right away because Americans are loud in airports. Uh, we, we, uh, we all have, um, you know, we dress casually in airports. You know, we wear pajamas at airports. Everyone else in the world wears suits and ties. You ever notice that? Right? We, 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 wear, we have Starbucks, we have headphones on, and we have lots of luggage everywhere we go. We got the little, the little pillow around our neck. You can tell where the Americans are the moment you see one in the airport. The question that Paul is trying to say by saying, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. What he's trying to pull out is, can people see from far away and say, that's a citizen of heaven right there? Can I look at your life, how you talk, how you live, how we live our life, and I could say how the decisions you make with our time or treasure our talent, and could someone say, that's a citizen of Jesus? In the same way that I could point out an American in an airport, can somebody point us out as citizens of the king? And I don't mean dress code or what you look like. There's no Christian haircut. I used to, um, uh, right? I, I used to uh, uh, work, uh, live down in San Diego for college. And there was a high school called Christian High, okay? Like, pretty, pretty like, bland name, you know, for a Christian high school. Christian High. And their baseball team, they had a t-shirt said Christian Baseball. And I got one because I was helping out the team as a chaplain when I was in college. And so I'd wear it around San Diego. And all these people would stop me and go, what's, what's, a, what's Christian Baseball? They thought it was like a thing, like a movement, you know, like we're starting a new league or something. And, and I was like, no, no, it's a high school. Like, so, there, you know, there's no Christian haircut. There's no Christian clothing or, you know, brand. Like, how we live is a display of being a citizen of the gospel, you know. So, Stacy, where's Stacy? Uh, you know, is, she here? is she in the back today? Oh, I thought she was. Hey, Stacy. Uh, you know, when I was praying, the Lord was like, Stacy, I can tell you're a citizen of heaven. When I, was, when I was praying over this passage, your name just kept on coming up. Like, man, I see Jesus in you. I can see Jesus through your life. One Christian leader in the first century wrote the Roman Caesar, Marcus Aurelius, not the guy from the Gladiator. This is the real Marcus Aurelius. If you know the Gladiator, my favorite movies. Um, he wrote Marcus Aurelius and asked him to stop persecuting Christians. And he did so based on the argument of how they live their life. Here's what this Christian leader, like this is 50 years after the Bible was written. This is early on in our Christian history. He said this, when struck, Christians don't strike back. When robbed, they don't sue. To those who ask, they give. They love their neighbors as themselves. The first Christians 
lived as citizens of heaven while they lived in Rome. Can you imagine what it would be like if this truth, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, sunk in so deep that, that we lived as citizens while living in Chino? Living as citizens while living in Corona, living as citizens while doing my job, living as citizens in my neighborhood, living as citizens in my family, living as citizens in Eastvale, in Norco. Like, this is how we are to think of our identity, is as citizens of heaven. The first point today is this. Contagious Christians identify as citizens of the king and not with any other identity. This is our top identity. This is the number one thing. Contagious Christians identify as citizens of the king and not of any, any other. No matter where you work, no matter what you do, no matter what you don't do, no matter what your job title is, no matter who's in your life, no matter what's happened in your past, we did, like, no matter what has happened in your past, your identity is as a citizen of heaven, and you belong to God. Along with that identity comes belonging, right? So don't get confused of where your citizenship lies. My U.S. passport labels me a U.S. citizen, God has labeled you. You're his citizen. And we're to be proud of that citizenship. You're his. You belong to him. No matter what's happened in your past, God says, you're mine. You're my citizen. And even more than that, he says, you're my child. You're my son or my daughter. You know, one of the most core needs that we have as people is that we want to belong, right? We so want to belong. And there are so many movements in our world telling you the things you can belong to and the things you should belong to. And the things that you can belong to, can, they promise you an identity. If you go in that alternative lifestyle, if you go in that direction, that alternative sexual lifestyle, you'll find your community and along with it, you'll find your identity. But all other identities but Jesus cannot give you what only God can give you. Now, only God can give us the identity that we long for. Only Christ can give us the identity that is truly ours. When he says to us, you're my child. You belong to me. That's what Jesus says to all of us. You're my citizen because I died because of the gospel. Now we belong to him. All our identities will fall short except for the one that Jesus gives us as his identity. Contagious Christians identify as citizens of the king and not with any other. So if you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sin, if you believe they rose from the grave, you belong to his kingdom. You're a citizen of heaven. And this is such good news. Because I think we all long to belong. We all desire to be wanted. We all desire for God to speak to us. And this is just a promise that you can never be casted out from this kingdom, right? Like you belong to him no matter what's happened. Um, all of us, whether we like it or not, have been received and given messages since we were kids that, you know, about ourselves. So whether we like it or not, like maybe some of those messages were good, some may be bad. But take your last name, for example. There are probably expectations attached to your last name and my last name. You know, what does it mean to be, uh, you know, my uh, Opog, my mother's maiden name, Holine. To be in my family had expectations attached to it. I'm sure it's true of all of us. And attached to that were messages and, and ideas of how we should grow up and how we should live. Again, some of those were good. Some of those were not good. In my family as an Opog, everyone was professional, had professional jobs, had professional degrees, my grandfather was a surgeon, we had lawyers, we had doctors in our family. And so if you were an OPOG, you worked hard and you had a professional life. And I'm sure that's true of many of us in this room. But when we come to become a Christian, 
The identity of following Jesus is the one and only that we're to now live out of. We're to live out of being sons and daughters. We're to live out of being a citizen. That's the one that is supposed to define all other identities in our life. So contagious Christians identify as citizens of the king and not with any other identity. It's supposed to be the top one. Verse 27 continues. I told you one verse is all we need, right? This is all we need for one day, right? Verse 27 continues. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel. So the gospel, good news of Jesus, we're to live in light of that. That's worthiness. But now we're to identify with everything that belongs to it. That's citizenship. And now he says, whatever happens. Like, and I looked up the Greek, whatever means whatever, all right? Like whatever <laughs> happens in your life, live as citizens of the gospel because it's affected your life. Whatever happens, live as citizens. So if you're, if you're whatever is, the job didn't work out, if your whatever is parenting is really hard, your whatever is, I'm going to be a citizen in the midst of parenting my kids right now. So my whatever recently is our condo complex, they didn't put like good piping in our walls. And so we share, you know, three walls with three different neighbors. And almost every condo in our complex has had slab leaks at some point in uh, owning the host, house. And over the last couple of years, uh, two of the three walls uh, of, the, of my neighbor's side have had slab leaks and they've leaked into our house. So, I, you know, pulling up the car after a little hangout time with somebody and, and I see water dripping down. Like, you, you know the feeling. You're like, oh my word. In whatever happens. In what, so I'll, I want to immediately put on the homeowner identity, okay? <laughs> when is this being fixed? What's your insurance t- saying? When's your plumber coming over? When's your drywall guy coming over? When's it being done? And that's important. But how much different is it in talking to my neighbor when I live out of, hey, I'm on the soil of my house, but I'm really supposed to identify with the soil of heaven while living in my home as a citizen of the gospel. I'm to live out of that. And maybe that affects how I treat my neighbor. Maybe that affects how I get angry or I get upset that now my whole day is spent trying to put buckets under dripping water. You know, whatever happens... Live as citizens. Is this making sense? This is, this is, this is, this is, this is why we just, one verse. Just all we need today is one verse, right? So what is your whatever? What's happening in your life right now, you know, that is happening that you're like, okay, I need to live as a citizen. I'm going to just, David and Becky. If you know David and Becky Lawless, they were on our launch team. I could say so much about them. David and Becky have been a part of this church since day one, since before day one. And um, uh, David last year retired from his job. They grew up in Chino their whole lives. And they're now moving out of state starting the next week to Georgia. And this is our last Sunday with them. And we love you both. And we know that this is a loss. And I just want you to know how much you've meant to me. When I was sitting in the Yorba Linda uh, sanctuary in like end of 2020, they walked by me and we had a kind of a supernatural God moment, divine moment. And we connected, and I found out that David was serving um, people who had severe cases of COVID. He worked at the Kaiser, and he would put the hazmat suit on and go pray for people who were on their deathbed with COVID. And I thought, David, uh, you're the chaplain now of Friends East Bell, okay? Um, and, and that started the relationship. And they joined our launch team and they have just, as you could tell, for someone to do that, 
the kind of heart that they have is incredible. You're going to be going to Georgia. You're going to be on different soil. But we're all citizens of heaven. Rock on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I like that. Yeah. Awesome. I'm not sure you me the rock on sign. I'm like, that's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Rock on. Yeah. We will rock on. That's kind of appropriate as well. But we love you guys. And you belong. You belong to God's kingdom. The king is going to be with you. But you belong to this place as well. Whenever you walk in these doors, you will always be a founder of this place. You're a founder. And founders have a different mentality towards something that they started. So thank you for helping lay the groundwork of this place. Brett Riley this past week told me uh, that he was at a fundraiser, not a Christian fundraiser, just one that you've been part of for a long time. And as people are walking in and they're talking about the fundraiser, what they're doing, Brett's walking around asking people, can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? Can I pray for you? And people are like, oh, cool. Are you Christian? And Brett had a chance to uh, invite people to our church. He found some people who live in the Inland Empire and in Norco. And I said, Brett, how was that for you? And Brett goes, it was amazing. It was the best thing in my week, right? And it's because, Brett, you were living as a citizen and a contagious citizen because contagious Christians have joy of being citizens of the king. But contagious Christians don't just do this alone because we can't do it alone. And so at the end of verse, or the beginning of verse 28, it says, or at verse 27, excuse me, it says, uh, uh, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. And the contagious Christians don't just go alone. We go together. We go united as one, as a community under the king. We need to be community. And Paul is speaking in this language. Let me read it again. I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. We need to go together. 2013, uh, two hockey teams were playing in Minnesota, varsity sports, and they were tied three to two. And uh, with his team up, a student named Austin Krauss, a senior, his team was leading, picked up the puck and threw it into his own goal. Okay. That's not good, just so you know. Like, you don't want to put the puck into your own goal in hockey. Tying the game, three to three. After he did that, he took off his, his mask, gave his coaches and his teammates an obscene gesture and skated off, and his team lost four to three in overtime. They asked him, why would you do that? And he said, it was because I didn't get enough playing time my senior year. When players are not unified in a sports team, it usually leads to a loss. But when Christians are not unified together, the effects are much worse. We lose our joy and we lose our impact as citizens of the kingdom. And so Paul writes again in verse 27, whether I come and see you or not, I will, you will know, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. Paul doesn't give specific instructions on how they're to be citizens yet. He'll do that next chapter. All he worries about now is go together. I want you to go do this together. Be citizens together. Have you ever met a citizen of a country of one? No, it's impossible. You've never met somebody from a, citizen, a country that has one citizen, okay? And in the same way, you've never met a Christian that's spirit-filled, following Jesus. The gospel is impacted, and they're not together with the body of Christ. It doesn't exist. We can't be contagious Christians without going together. When Paul pictures uh, the church in this passage. This is all athletic language. He's using Greek words that are from athletic sports. And so he pictures the church shoulder to shoulder, 
I mean, really, we should be standing in line and I should be looking down the line talking to us. That's the picture of the passage. And we're all standing in line and we're all looking at a common goal, a common mission, and a common opponent. And we're to go like that. During my sophomore year in high school, we were, um, the basketball team I played on for varsity was ranked number one in the state. And we lost two games that year, but the team was so unified the whole time. Everyone got to practice at 5 a.m. They were enthused. They were warming up. Uh, early morning, everyone listened to our coach, Coach Stan Bickley. Everyone got their, their, their roles, and they lived their roles out. My role was on the bench. I got about 10 minutes of playing time that year. My role was just to cheer everybody on. And we, we only won, lost two games that whole season. And it was an incredible, like one of those years as an athlete where you're like, that was a great year. Fast forward two years later, and I was the captain of the varsity team. Maybe it's a reflection of my poor leadership. But four guys on the team wanted to be the star. And we made it work, but we never reached our potential. We got beat in the first uh, 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 you know, round of the playoffs. And so what we're being asked to by Paul is to come together in unity as citizens for one goal, to spread the gospel, to make it known to other people. And so hear me out. Um, we aren't being asked to be committed to a Sunday morning here. And I love that, like, you guys are so faithful on Sundays. I'm so thankful for that. I love you. But I'm committed to you, not just committed to a Sunday. I'm committed to you. And that's what this passage is talking about, that we are committed to each other, not just to coming to a Sunday morning. We're committed to each other. And at Friends Church, we talk about we gather, we grow, and we go. We gather on Sundays to be with Jesus. That's what this is. And I love that we're committed to this. But our commitment goes beyond just this. It goes to each other. Our lives, our retirement, moving out of state to a new thing, finding out what's going on in our rooted groups, praying for each other, you know, praying for our marriages, praying for our parenting, praying for the life changes that happen, praying for all of those things, being together. And then we grow together. That's what we mean by grow, growing to become like Jesus together. And the last one is that we want to go together. We want to go outside these walls. We want to serve people in our community, in the Inland Empire, around the corner and around the world globally. And so we started our, our, our gathering on Sundays six months ago um, when we started this church. We started our growing together this past couple weeks with Rooted. And in 2023, I want us to begin our go. I want us to launch our loving people around the corner and around the world initiative. And so this morning, um, there's going to be a a, uh, a sign-up sheet, just a little clipboard. I think Al and Krista have one if you want to pass it around. And you're signing your life away when you put your name on this, okay? <laughs> uh, no, just kidding. But uh, uh, so all this is is, hey, I'm interested in learning about how I can be part of taking the love of Jesus outside these walls. And uh, maybe you're too busy. That's great. All we're doing now is just taking names. I'm going to send you a little application. We're going to talk about what God might be stirring in you. And we want to talk. And in 2023, we want to begin to form that team so that we can take what God's doing here outside these walls in a more intentional way. Um, and so what do we do next? What's our so what? Um, how do we live out being citizens? Well, first is um, don't ever uh, attach your joy to your earthly citizenship. Um, I don't think we have a slide for this, Katie, so if you're wondering, yeah. This was last minute. Uh, you will be more contagious as a Christian if you don't attach your joy to your earthly citizenship. Our true citizenship is in heaven. And every day we get news, we get information, we're oversaturated with news nowadays. Things happen in our life. And if we only attach our joy 
and our contentment to what we hear and what happens to us, we will never be as contagious as God wants us to be. Do we grieve about events that happen? Do we get involved in events? Do we get angry? With, yeah, that's fine. But do we want to attach our joy to the events that happen in our world and also take place in our life? No, we want to attach our joy to Jesus being resurrected from the grave. We want to attach our joy to Jesus and his control of our, of our whole world. In fact, um, in, in, in Philippians chapter 3 or 4, uh, Paul says this, I plead with you, Adai, and I plead with Sincha to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, I ask you, my true companion, help these women since they have contended at my side in the cause of the gospel, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are written in the book of life. Paul talks about unity in the church, and he says, let's have joy in the fact that our names are written in heaven, that we're going to be there one day. So we don't want to attach our joy to earthly success. And so here's what I want you to do. Anytime you begin to get stressed out about something happening in your life or news that you read that kind of worries you, I want you to ask the question, how would Jesus live my life if he were me right now? It's a little complicated of a question. How would Jesus live my life as a 42-year-old male with two students or two kids, uh, as a pastor, married? How would he want to live my life right now in the circumstances that I'm going through? How would Jesus want uh, you to live in your life? And so I constantly ask myself that question. Jesus, if you were me right now, how would you want me to respond to what I'm hearing and to what's happening in my world? And what that does is it attaches your citizenship. That's like your citizenship thought. I'm really a citizen there, so how would Jesus want me to live here? Jesus, what would you have me do if you were living my life right now? If you have my kids, if these were my coworkers, if this was my job, how would Jesus want me to live if he were living my life right now? And as you ask yourself that question, you'll find yourself attached more to Jesus. So here's my, my recommendation for the next 24 hours, today until tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Get past your emails on Monday morning. Um, ask Jesus that question. Jesus, if you had my job, if you had my family, if you had my situation, how would you want me to live my life? And I think that you'll find your heart getting more attached to your citizenship rather than your earthly citizenship. And then um, finally, we want to become fluent in the gospel. This is kind of the big one. Become fluent in the gospel. My wife and I, Krista, we met a woman um, in our condo complex who is a U.S. citizen who immigrated from Ecuador. And she came over in 1985, and we asked her her story. And if you ever meet somebody who's become a U.S. citizen from another country, they are fluent in that story, right? They know, okay, I left this country. I came here. Here's my journey. Here's what I'm doing now. She came in the 1980s, became a citizen of the U.S., got her, uh, her nursing degree, and now she teaches nurses in colleges. And she was just full of joy talking about her journey from one country to the next. Um, I had lunch two weeks ago with a non-Christian guy from Iran who left Iran and became a U.S. citizen in the 1970s. So if you know history and politics, that was a crazy time in Iran. Uh, I think it's always a crazy time in Iran. But, um, you know, uh, so uh, he came over, got his CPA license, and uh, now he's a professional in Santa Monica as an accountant. And he knows his journey from Iran to America, and he can talk about that citizenship journey, right? We need to become fluent in our citizenship journey from becoming part of this world to becoming citizens of heaven. Every country has their own language, right? The language of, of heaven is the gospel. And we want to become fluent in talking about the gospel. 
fluent in talking about the things that Jesus has done in our life, fluent in talking about how we became citizens of heaven and how Jesus has impacted our life. So on the screen uh, is going to be like a three-point outline of the gospel, uh, I think, right? Is that going to come up? ABCs? Yep, there we go. Admit we are sinners, believe in Jesus, and commit to following him. This is like uh, the most basic version of the gospel. In fact, this is how the, how the rooted course lays out the gospel. And so if you're wondering, well, how do I become fluent in the gospel? Just begin here. Admit that, well, hey, I'm, I'm a sinner. I've, I'm broken. I need God. Believe in Jesus. Commit to following him. You can use this as an outline to talking about your faith and becoming more fluent with the gospel. Is, it, is there more in-depth versions of this? Absolutely. Is there, is there deeper ways to talk about it? Absolutely. But if you've ever taken a foreign language, you know that you have to begin somewhere. And so it's good to begin just with the ABCs of the gospel. This is it. And I want to encourage you, Friends Church, to become fluent in talking about your heavenly language, which is the gospel. And become fluent in talking about your citizenship from heaven and what Jesus did in your life. As we wrap up today, um, just one last thing. Paul closes this passage in Philippians chapter 1, 28. And he says this. He says, uh, stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Without being frightened by those who oppose you. When we live as citizens of the king together, God gives us courage. You know, last week we talked about how God gives us the spirit to comfort us in pain. But today in our passage, we get the promise that when we live out the gospel, he gives each other to us to be courageous. And what I've seen, and what I've seen through you, and what I believe that there is more for us as a church, is that a contagious church is also a courageous church. It's one that steps out and says, I'm going to follow you, Jesus, right, Jacob? Wherever you lead me. And we do that together. And so we want to be courageous to talk to people, befriend people, meet new people. I know it takes courage just to step in sometimes this room and sit down for the first time. It takes courage to join a rooted group like that lady when she walked up to the tent. It takes courage like Brett to talk to your friends at the fundraising event. It takes courage to serve. It takes courage to pray for the first time in a long time and you haven't talked to God in a while. All those things take courage. But God promises us courage when we do it together. And that's my hope, and that's what I see happening. And so, friends, church, let's be courageous. Let's be contagious as citizens of the gospel. Let's pray.